Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, senior writer at Heavy.com and the host of the Scoop B radio podcast. You know, I got to check out my guy, Austin D, because he's making it happen on Austin D radio. Thanks for the intro, Scoop. You guys are tuned in to another episode of Austin D radio with your boy, Austin D. And on this episode, we'll be discussing how Jimmy Butler carried the Miami Heat to a game one win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Paul and Oklahoma City Thunder pushed their series against the Houston Rockets to a game seven. New Orleans Pelicans rising star Brandon Ingram secures the NBA's most improved player award. And a new edition of the fire round that involves two rising stars in the league battling it out in the Western Conference. But before we get started, I have the man who breaks every wide open three he takes and still doesn't know how to dunk the basketball. You guys can find him on Instagram at underscore it's soul world the one and only mr dennis hudson joins me in the studio what's up man man what's good you gotta stop capping you already know how i give it up on the basketball court don't be doing this to yourself mr austin dixon i done seen you playing the wreck man you you don't do this man anyway we finna go ahead and hop into the podcast so before we go ahead and get started i want to give my condolences to john thompson and his family john thompson was the head um excuse me he was the head coach of georgetown basketball he won a national title back in 1984 with patrick ewing also, I want to give a shout out to my man, Chris Paul. I don't know if you've seen it, Dennis, but apparently it looks like uh, Chris Chris Paul's on an HBCU uh, tour with his uh, HBCU apparel. Uh, the other night, he rocked a FAMU t-shirt along with some school color Nike kicks. So, you know, I, I, know, that's, I know that's your guy. He's on your team. So I, I definitely want to give a shout out to Chris Paul. But anyway, going into the NBA news, man, I know you saw the game last night, man. Look, my man, Jimmy Butler dropped in 40 points with for the Miami Heat along with Goran Dragic who dropped in 27 points for the Miami Heat. Here is Jimmy Butler describing how his team came out with the game one victory. It's not about just scoring. It's about guarding. It's about making the right play, um, getting a 50-50 ball. That's all part of winning the game. And I felt like um, I took it up a level in the fourth quarter. Um, if that needs to happen every game, I got to be able to do it. So Dennis, what was your takeaways from game one with the Miami Heat against the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, but I, I was watching, I watched the whole game. So when the print, the game first started, I was like, okay, it seemed like nobody is going to miss a shot. Like, that's how it really looked. And then Milwaukee started to pull off towards the end of the first quarter. And I was like, okay, here we go. But then again, you know, basketball is all about runs. Everybody have their little moment. But it was like once Miami, Miami had gained the momentum, Milwaukee was playing a catch-up game. And that's kind of hard when you have to play catch-up in the playoffs. And the way they're playing defense on Giannis, this is my issue that I have with Giannis. Giannis is a great NBA player. I would take nothing away from him. But when the world recognizes you and treats you as a top three player in the NBA, you have to impose your will on the court. There's no way this man did not have more than 20 points last night. I was expecting Yonder to at least drop 30 or 35. I don't care how a team is defending you. You have to impose your will. Hey, yeah, and see, the thing for me, I was like, for me, I, I, I remember you tried, to, you tried to tell me this, too. You're like, look, if Miami gets past the first round, which we both predicted in our first round predictions, we're like, okay, Miami might actually be able to give the Milwaukee Bucks some problems because Toronto basically laid out the blueprint in last year's uh, Eastern Conference Finals where they, they were like, when they went down 2-0, they was like, look, we're, we're just going to go ahead and build the wall around Giannis. And, and let, let's see let's see if he gets past that because you remember they had Gasol in the paint, they had Siakam, and they had Kawhi. Siakam and Kawhi Leonard alone are two good perimeter defenders, and they 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 just both had the link, you know, to stop Giannis from getting to the rim. And that was one thing that that I definitely saw with Miami. He, they they were walling him off. They 
And what's funny, they actually limited their turnover. So, and, and you know, the thing with Milwaukee, they love to get out in transition. They love to pu- uh, push the ball. And, and that's definitely like one of the scariest places when, uh, when Giannis is actually out in transition. That is a scary sight. And if we're just looking at it, Miami made 12 three-pointers, 12 out of 31 three-pointers. And you know, with the young guns, just like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn, you know, those are three fantastic shooters. And this is what I like to call like a bubble effect because Imagine if we weren't in the bubble. Imagine if they had to go all the way up to Milwaukee for this game one. For me, I think that's a hostile environment. I don't know how they pull that out. You know, may, may, maybe I'll give Milwaukee that series in five, maybe six, uh, d- depending because just because of how, how um, Miami plays Milwaukee. But I will say this is the X factor when we're talking about Miami possibly upsetting Milwaukee. Bam out of bio. Because with me, and I told you this, Dennis, I'm like, yo, Bam out of bio, I, I like him so much because he represents a new age in terms of positionless basketball and he's one of the very few players if basically they the only player who can stop Giannis one-on-one in the in the um in the half court offense so so I'm just like yo I'm just like and that's why I say I love Bam Adebayo and in, in the way that he's just so positionless and you, I don't know if you saw the play last night but you remember when he drove to the rim he basically moved Giannis out the way and I was like yo if you could have only finished that dunk that would have been on sports center top 10 highlights I'm like, I'm watching it because I, I still like have a, Milwaukee is like used to losing the first game of a series. Like it's the it's, it's literally a pattern with them now. So, but you know, of course, the Miami Heat fans are like, oh, we put a sweet Milwaukee and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know how basketball fans are when it's coming to be biased by their team. But I'm like, basketball is full of adjustments. They will adjust on the fly. They did it against Orlando. Trust me, the Miami Heat ain't the, like, the Orlando match. We, we both know that. But when you make adjustments, I don't think people want to get their high hopes up yet because Milwaukee could turn the table. And when they hit in front of the perimeter, it's very scary. All right. So, Dennis, let me ask you this. Since, you know, like you said, people maybe tend to overreact during the game one of the playoffs, right? Like we overreacted when Milwaukee lost game one to Orlando. We overreacted when Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers basically, basically came in and just shocked the whole L.A. Lakers team, right? So... Are you overreacting to game one or is it or is it just, you know, like you said, is it just more so of a feel like game? And, you know, do you expect like you said, do you expect there to be more adjustments, you know, as the coming games uh, start moving? I always look at game one as a feel like game, especially when you start in a new series. Like every team is different. Every team have a different philosophy when it comes to the offense and defense and coaching strategies. So it's like, yeah, Miami won game one, but it's not. Until somebody get four wins, I do not care what people be talking about. So you're you're one of those more more so realistic, uh, realistic people that analyze the game instead of just you know, instead of just taking the social media. Oh, you know Miami Miami's gonna uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna win at five. You know what I'm saying? Milwaukee Bucks give me a buck. Tampa Bay Bucks I don't care. Miami Heat in five. So you're not one of those people that fall in those categories, are you? I would never be one of those type of people. I'm too much of a sports fan. Right, right. You know, because you know, for me, I, I, I've, I've hung around you, you know, quite a bit, and I, you know, I, I could, I could say at least from my, my point of view that you, you present the game in an objective way. You, you're able to, you know, you're able to, you know, assess it. You're able to dissect it, and you're able to, you know, analyze it very well. So, moving on to the other side of the Eastern Conference, where you got Toronto, you got Boston. What do you, who do you see coming out that series, and how many games do you see that one going? So now. Boston came out blazing. But remember, Toronto finished their series before Boston did. So they kind of had to wait a day or two. And plus the protests, uh, I mean, not the protests, but when the NBA was thinking about boycotting, the teams were thinking about boycotting, they added more time. So it was like, 
Toronto, I in my opinion, I think Toronto is just a bit rusty because they wasn't even making open jumpers. Like they had open jump shots with no defender, and they just couldn't make them. And but Boston was like already up like like twenty two points, I think. So it's like once you start getting them, every time Toronto made a run and they cut it like less than ten points, Boston like they they react they responded to it. So it's like it's another fell out game in the series. I'm like Toronto is just cold. Now, I still have Toronto winning in six because I, in, in my opinion, I honestly think Toronto team is deeper than Boston. And see, Dennis, the, the, this, this, uh, in terms of this series, this is where me and you kind of disagree because when I look at a team, you know, you know, in terms of matchup wise, they definitely match up well against each other. Um, like I said, like I've always said, Jason Tatum's always been, you know, been a personal favorite player of mine just because I, I see, I've seen the way this, this dude has played. I've seen the way he, since he's played it since his senior year. Um, at Chaminade, and I'm just like, yo, this dude, this dude is different. He's definitely, you know, been a pro before he even came into the league. And seeing him at Duke, you know, up until his rookie year, Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics. And you know, when I look at when I look at the matchup with them in Toronto, it, they basically even out when you talk about in terms of defensive and offensive efficiency. And see, this is where the difference comes in coaching. Like you said, like you said, Nick Nurse has championship medal. That team has championship medal. But don't. This is the thing I think you're overlooking. Toronto has a small backcourt with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. They but they do have bigs and they do play excellent defense. But with the Celtics in in terms of their perimeter, that the perimeter uh, offensive perimeter talent in terms of Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, I don't, I just don't think Toronto has the horses to contend with the Boston Celtics. And the on the and like I said, the only pushback I'll give the Boston Celtics is the fact that they have no interior defense. I'm not. I'm not trusting Tice, but I, but I was Robert Robert Williams. I, I give him credit. Robert Williams at a Texas A and M. I give him. I give him that. You know. You know. He knows how to protect the rim, um, especially in transition. Get get your easy buckets. But yeah, for me, I have I have the Celtics winning in seven. For me, I, like I said, I, it just comes down to coaching and better offensive philosophy. And uh, I just, like I said, I just don't think Toronto has the horses to run with the Boston Celtics. But even though Toronto backcourt is small, they still. In a way, they kind of off. I don't. I want to say they offset one another, but I would kind of still pick Toronto backcourt over Boston backcourt because Marcus Martin had an efficient shooter. Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry could drop twenty five out of nowhere. But Dennis, here, here's the thing. Like I said, undersized. Let me ask you this: Are you taking Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet over Kimball Walker? What do you mean as, as an offensive talent? Yes, just better player overall. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Well, when you add Marcus Smart to that equation, I'm picking Toronto backcourt. Because Marcus Smart plays defense, but Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry play defense as well, and they can actually score. Okay, you know, I, 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 give, I give you that. Look, like I said, I think Boston, like I said, I, I, I picked Boston to be uh, my dark horse team, making it to the NBA Finals, but I guess we have to wait and see. But Dennis, anyway, moving on to your favorite team. That's right, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They forced a Game 7 over the Houston Rockets as Chris Paul dropped in 28 points, 7 assist, excuse me, seven rebounds, and 3 assists. Here's what Chris Paul had to say after last night's game. We're not ready to go yet. You know, and our, our team, we have had a memorable season, a lot of ups and downs and all that, and we just we just going to continue to fight. We wouldn't have it any other way. So, Dennis, looking at the game last night and seeing the fact that Oklahoma City were just able to will, us, will, them, will themselves to a win, you saw Chris Paul, was he just had that refusal, like, I'm not going to let my team lose. What did you take away from game six 
And, and, and can OKC really upset Houston in the first round? You know me. I'm the biggest OKC fan in the world. Like, win or lose, whoever get traded, whoever leaves, I'm still sticking to OKC to the day I die. Watching game six, when we started to catch rhythm in the third quarter when Gallinari went on like a 10-0 run by himself, I was like, okay, he 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 he, he he's, he's done. Like, he done finally woke up. And we got up, I think it was like 91-84. Chris Paul literally just went ballistic in the fourth quarter. It was, it was like, I guess Chris Paul looked at them and was like, I got it. I'm going to take over. I, I'll take it from him. And so once once the game got, got close, Chris Paul is one of the most intelligent point guards we may ever watch in the NBA. Like, he never shies away from the moment. He always keeps his composure. He uplifts everybody that's on the team, whether they're young or they bad. And you could tell he imposed his will on game six. Like, I know not everybody might be be hot today, so I'm going to take over today. I'm going to take the most shots today. And when Westbrook did the costly turnover with 15 seconds left in the game, I was like, well, that just solidified for us. We got one more chance. When it takes off. This is kind of my takeaway from uh, game six. And, and basically, this has kind of been uh, my analysis ever since they traded away Clint Capella and they got Robert Covington. You, you guys are re- you guys are simply relying on the three, and you and you tell me you're expecting that to get you through the playoffs, and, the, and you telling me the tallest player on your team is six foot eight, and you have you also have PJ Tucker playing your center at six foot five. Not to mention that they have no size. That I think I said that, but anyway, Dennis, uh, look the the more I look at it the more I see because we're, we're looking at a Houston Rockets team that has been putting up almost an average of 50 plus three pointers in this, in the, in the whole bubble, uh, bubble environment. And with Houston, you all, you know, the saying you live by the three, you die by the three. And and this, this is exactly why, why I never really bought on, bought into Dan Tony, um, his, I never bought into Dan Tony's system or I never bought in just in, just into the Houston system in general. Like, of course, it frees up Russell Westbrook. You're not able to double team James Harden because you got Eric Gordon, you got Robert Covington, you got PJ Tucker, you got Daniel House Jr. You got all you got all these threats from the perimeter. But like like you said, just to refer back to your point, going into Game Seven, you get you tell him you give Chris Paul a Game Seven in, in a neutral environment, and what this team has been able to do, with, like you said, the the point two percenters, what they, what was what they were dubbed uh, in the beginning of the season, they weren't even expected to make the playoffs. I'm I'm taking I'm taking Chris Paul in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now I I, I will say this. Originally, I did have the Houston Rockets winning in six because I'm like, just with respect for Chris Paul, I'll, I'll, I'll give him two games along with what Shea Gilchrist-Alexander and Dennis Schroeder is doing. Matter of fact, I feel like he should win the six, six man of the year. I'm going to give you that, Dennis. But yeah, just, just looking at the overall totality of it, you, you can't you can't do that. You you can't turn the that matter. And matter of fact, that ball should have really been in James Harden's hands, not Westbrook. You know, how, Dennis, you know how much I love me some Russell Westbrook. I, I I love it. Not not to mention that this man air. You remember he airballed the um. He airballed from the free throw. Like he really did a pull up jumper by the free throw line, and it touched nothing. And he, and he was lucky. James Harden um he was able to recover and kind of just throw it out on Gallinari. And I was just like, oh, I'm like Westbrook. This, this is not it. And look, I I know in professional sports, you know, coming back, you know, second game from an injury, I I know it's never easy to do that, especially within professional sports. And just in terms of decision making. And again, I love me some Westbrook. West Westbrook, you got you got to do better. It was actually three times in a row that he didn't touch the ball. I was like, hmm. he wants to be the person to like come back and save the day, and it backfired. I, I didn't. I did not like that sequence. That ball should have been in James Harden's hands. Both possessions down the court. 
while we on this topic, I don't think a lot of people remember that when it comes to like game six or even close out games, Westbrook gets very trigger happy and James Harden always tend to be a no-show. So this game could really turn bad for Houston because they tend to not show up when the pressure is on. So I, I have a iffy feeling if it's a close game, OKC automatically wins. But if Houston is hitting on all cylinders, then it's been a it's been a great season for us. See, like like you said, Dennis, if they're hitting on all cylinders, right? We're talking game seven. Anything can happen if they're hitting on all cylinders. James Harden, one of the most unguardable people, one on one, one of the greatest score, one of the greatest one on one scores we might ever see in the NBA, right? But game seven, I, I'm not. Tr- I'm trusting Chris Paul over James Harden. S- simple as that. Because Dennis, live by the three, die by the three. I don't trust that philosophy of microball. And only Golden, only really Golden State is is really the one of the only few teams where I could say, yeah. They they definitely mastered that. But game seven, 50-50 chance, I'm giving my money to Chris Paul. I'm taking it to the bank. But anyway, man, y'all stay tuned. Stay locked. Do not touch that button. Me and Dennis will be right back. You ever thought about starting your own podcast? What better time than now? I mean, we are stuck in quarantine, right? While most people see it as a tall task, Buzzsprout makes starting a podcast easier than ever before. Trust me, I was scared to start my podcast too, but it has easily been the best decision I have ever made. Buzzsprout offers you the proper tools to launch a professional podcast and have your episodes listed to all major streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. You'll also have a professional-looking website for your podcast with features including audio players you can drop on other websites, detailed stats to see how people are listening to your show, tools to promote your episodes, and much more. Buzzsprout will be committed to helping you succeed in your podcast journey as they upload weekly blogs, videos, and resources to help you navigate the ins and outs of podcasting. To start your own podcast and get a $20 Amazon gift card, go to the link listed in the show notes. It lets Buzzsprout know that your boy Austin D sent you and helps support the show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. Welcome back to Austin D Radio. You are still tuned in with your boy Austin D, along with your man Dennis Husson, aka Mr. It's Soul World. You guys can find him on Instagram. That is his name on there but then it's moving on to our next topic pelicans rising star brandon ingram has just been named the nba's most improved player so dennis when you saw this what were your thoughts when when brandon ingram pulled this award believe it or not i already knew he was gonna win because when, when just the season he was having in a new organization i was watching a brandon ingram i was not seeing in los angeles like it was like he got to new orleans and Zion wasn't there, so he basically had to carry the team. And he showed up. The man statistics in this year alone is better than his first three seasons he was with the Lakers. And we are watching Brandon Egan become a superstar. Like Kevin Durant 2.0. He probably ain't got the skill set all the way down back yet. But I still consider him to be Kevin Durant 2.0. Right. And see, this is the thing with me. Like it, like you said, it, it it was it was I don't want to say it was a no brainer because they had Luka Doncic, they had Bam Adebayo in that conversation, but you no, know, just just looking at the overall improvement from L.A. to New Orleans, where you know Brandon Egan was you know more so able to hone in on his craft, he wasn't you know surrounded by the distractions of playing in L.A. This man is a certified star, and that's why he was an All Star this year too. The man put up twenty three, excuse me, the man put up twenty three point eight points per game, hit forty six point three percent of his shots. 
You know, even though he does need to work on his three-point game, like that right there and what he's mastered in the mid-range game, but he, he's he's more solidified himself as a superstar in the NBA. And I, I, for me, I just think it's a lot more where that came from going into next season. Next season, for me, personally, I think with the roster New Orleans comes back with next year, Brandon Ingram could put up a smooth 25, 26 points per game on 50% shooting. He can, because he very picky. He very choosy with when he shoots. Just watching his game in New Orleans, I was like, he's seeing the start being created before I want to, like, literally. Right, right. But anyway, moving on to our last topic of the day. That's right, man. You guys are tuned into the fire round. Somebody ring the alarm. Dennis, I know you've seen this man too. Superstar athletes flashing before our very eyes have shown up in the bubble. That's right. They're going to a game seven tonight. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about Denver, Utah, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Dennis. What have you seen from these two just overall offensive shows that you've seen in a while in terms of NBA? Denver versus Utah is my favorite series of the playoffs right now. It's like even even when Utah got up 3-1, it was like Jamal Murray woke up. It was like a wake-up call. Like, this is it. Like, Another season where we one of the top records in the league and we go home early. So it's like, I'm watching this series and it's like Donovan Mitchell get hot. Jamal Murray get hot. And I'm like, yo, like, who gonna miss? Like, they go like, they literally go point for point. Every time Donovan Mitchell make one, Jamal Murray make one. Right. And when I'm looking at this, I'm just like, yo, I'm like, and Dennis, you remember I told, I told you the other day, I'm like, man, I really, you, you had texted me. I was like, man, I, I fell asleep. And you had asked me, oh, did you see the game? I'm like, no, I fell asleep. He's like, bro, you missed a good game. I'm talking like, and this is the game where they both drop a 50 piece. And uh, I believe that was game five, which helped save their season in turn. But, you know, if we're just looking at the overall, you know, offensive talent that Jamal Murray possesses, this man has dropped 50, 42, 50. He's shooting well from three. Not to mention, according to ESPN stats and info, Murray is the first player since MJ in the 1993 NBA Finals with three straight 40-point-plus games in a postseason series. So, Dennis, one, I'm going to ask you, this is going to be a two-part question. So, one, over or under, do you see Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell going for both over 40 in Game 7? And two, who do you, who, what team are you taking in Game 7 to move on to the second round? Believe it or not, I don't see neither one of them dropping over 40 tonight. I feel like the game is going to be much slowed down for both. And one of them going to have to work. One of them may get close to it. But being over 40, I don't see it happening tonight. Because then it's like, it's game seven. You have to get everybody, like, hot. Everybody has to be on cue in order to win the game seven. You have to stick to the game plan. Both of them, when they hot, they, they do get shot happy. Like most, most people do. When they get a heat check, they just going to keep going. But it could be a bad thing as well. Because Jokic might be cold. Mike Conley might be cold. Joe Ingles already been cold. But you get the point. So tonight, I honestly think Utah gonna pull it off. I think they're gonna go back to picking and they're gonna go back to pick and rolling. Joe kiss to death. Joe Ingles, I have a feeling, is going to play much better on the per, on on the perimeter defense because they do put him on Jamal Murray at times. And he tends to get under a lot of he do tend to get under a lot of people's skin, Paul just to be exact. Um, yeah. And I have a feeling Rudy Gobert, even though he jokes scratches him away from the basket, he does contest very well. It's just Jokic 
they really Jokic ain't even that fast on his feet. So it's like I would literally just guard him. Like he can't move that fast, but I understand when you're a big man, there's only so much you can do. Right. When I'm looking at when I'm looking at this series, I I remember I told you in our first round predictions, I'm like, yo. This shouldn't even be like much of a series. And I and I kind of regret underestimating, you know, the, the talent level of Donovan Mitchell. But I'm just like, yo, if we're just looking at the overall better, better team, Denver has the better team. And I, I really picked Denver in five. But just seeing the way, you know, back and forth, just the way the series is going, I'm I'm really I'm like, Utah. Like, if you're gonna close it out, please do not blow a three-one lead. I do do not take me back to 2016 where, where you where you saw OKC blow the three-one lead to, to, to the Golden State Warriors. And where you saw you saw Golden State blew the three one lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals in twenty sixteen. So, you know, I, I like I said, I, I'm hoping for a game, you know, back and forth. But if, if you get if you're giving me a game seven, and who, who's you know, like I said, they both been hot. But I, I'm gonna take Jamal Murray, like you said, you 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 probably take Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. But I'm I'm just looking at overall the, just the deeper team who I believe to be the better team who should have they shouldn't even have gone to seven games where they had to come back. From a three-one deficit, like I said, not to under not to underestimate Mike Conley or the Utah Jazz. But like I said, I just I just believe Denver has too much depth, too much talent, and I think that will prevail in Game Seven tonight. And like I said, I I believe I believe Denver's going to pull this one out, move on to Round Two against the LA Clippers. And I do believe both players are going to drop forty-point pieces again, just because they're both hot and they just can't seem to miss. And I and I honestly, real quick, I I feel bad for Donovan Mitchell the other night. He is like nobody else could hit a shot besides him. I'm like this dude was hitting ridiculous shots out of the gym, but yeah, I'm I'm taking Denver game seven tonight. That's another reason why I'm going for Utah tonight because I'm like I don't see Utah losing three games in a row. They've been in the game in the last two. It's just Denver got saved by Jamal Murray. Who is to say Jamal Murray is gonna be hot again? Anything can happen. This is game seven. But if Utah do win, if Utah do win, this will be the second series this first round that I predicted correct with the game. Because I had Milwaukee beating Orlando 4-1, and I had Jazz over the Nuggets 4-3. Every other one, everybody else I went for one but not in the amount of games I thought they would win. Right, right. But anyway, man, thanks for tuning in to another edition of Austin D Radio. That's right. Episode 10, it, 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 just, it just rolled like that. I told you, we keep rolling through. But anyway, man, Dennis, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. You guys can find Dennis on Instagram at underscore it's soul world. Dennis, you guys, you have any shout outs or anything, you know, you want to say before we get out the studio? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me as a guest on your podcast again. It's always fun being on here. Um, to the rest of the world, be great, stay safe, and continue having a good day for the day. All right, man, you guys heard the man Dennis here first. It's your boy Austin D. Cue the outro. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Austin D here, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Austin D Radio. If you would like to catch up on any of the previous episodes, you guys can find the podcast on your Apple Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio apps. All you have to do is type in Austin D Radio. Also, if you want to stay up to date on topics for upcoming episodes, you guys can follow me on Instagram at underscore just Austin D. And remember, Austin D Radio is home of all trending NBA news.